playing with bombs like kids play with toys. One warm December, our hearts will see a world where men are free. Someday at Christmas there'll be no wars When we have learned what Christmas is for When we have found what life's really worth There'll be peace on earth Someday all our dreams will come to be anybody and everybody out there who's experiencing family troubles, financial troubles, grieving a loved one, separated from a loved one, just feeling lonely or suffering in general, this one's for you. Hang in there. Big love to all of you. Merry Christmas and Happy Hanukkah. Recognized symbol of excellence in sports entertainment. Oh, it's live, Hal. For years, if you wanted a custom wrestling figure, there was only a couple ways to do it. My guest this week is at the forefront of creating the heads we need for the figures we want. Guys, Merry Christmas. Warren Warsman is on the show today, and I get to talk to him right now. Warsman, how's it going, man? I'm doing well, Tim. Thanks. 
thanks for making the time to uh, to be on with me. It's uh, I've been chasing you for a while, and my own schedule hasn't allowed me to get you, but uh, I'm glad we're finally here. Yeah, our time zones finally uh, aligned, and and we were able to meet. It's like the mega power handshake happening. I can feel it. <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> hey, um, where were you born and raised? I was born in Goshen, Indiana, which, uh, um, for those not familiar, it's kind of close to Notre Dame, about uh, an hour southeast. What was the wrestling scene like out there? How do well, I guess back up? How did you get into wrestling? How did you discover it originally? Yeah, I, I'm i sure Rocky Three was probably my first introduction, seeing Hogan, um, you know, in the movie. And then, um, I don't know, it was just kind of something I knew about. But then, I don't remember the year, I'm trying to remember the year, probably sometime early 86, I just happened to be flipping through the channels and I caught it late at night on a Saturday night um, on my local CBS channel, uh, the WWF syndicated show superstars of wrestling or whatever it was before it became superstars. Um, and yeah, I got hooked. Savage was on there and the bulldogs were on there and um, they were kind of weekly staples. So yeah, I became fans of them and the product overall pretty quick, but it was right after the WrestleMania one, the boom happened and you know, it was kind of everywhere. I remember my mom bringing home wrestling, like hardback books, wrestling, the good, the bad and the ugly. And, um, you know, books like that from garage sales from around that time. So, yeah. And then Saturday night's main event hit and it was, it was on from there. Yeah. That's, Similar time range, I think, I, I don't remember, I can't connect the dots, but I, I think I got into it just before WrestleMania, and um, so that was definitely a fun fun era. Um, was there live events? Did you start going to live events out there? Um, yeah. Funny story, my, my dad's aunt, my great aunt and her husband um, were longtime wrestling fans, but my dad and my parents both in general really looked down their noses at wrestling and tried to discourage me even being a fan of it. Um, they let me go to what I thought was going to be, you know, a big WWF show. Um, they asked me if I wanted to go watch it live and I'm like, Oh heck yeah, I do. So they drove me to Fort Wayne and I didn't know till I got there that it was a uh, Dick, the bruisers WWA show. And Oh, I was so I was such a brat. I was, I remember I kind of pouted the whole time and bitched about it not being a WWF show. I wanted to see, you know, Junkyard Dog and the Hulkster. And here I am seeing Yukon Moose Cholock <laughs> and Dick the Bruiser <laughs> in Bobo Brazil. Although now as an adult, those are all legendary names that I did not appreciate at the time being able to see, even though they were probably in their 60s. Right. Um, I am glad for the experience, um, and I'm able to say I got to see Dick the Bruiser wrestle. I got to see Bobo Brazil wrestle. I got to see Yukon Moose Cholock wrestle, you know, people like that. Um, so that's my first live event. But then not too long after that, 
at at Notre Dame at the Joyce Athletic and Convocation Center. They held a I think a three superstar taping. Um, it was long. It was a long night of taping, and then a few months later they filmed a Saturday night's main event at Notre Dame, and that was super cool to go to. So I got to see a, a classic in-person Saturday night's main event. Yeah, and kind of by accident, you get to see, well, I guess maybe not by accident, <laughs> but in a cool way, in a roundabout way, you get to see these legendary guys and how many people you know in our circles could say that. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Where did the wrestling figures tie into your newfound fandom? Yeah, I was born in 1974, so when the figures came out, I was around 10 or, you know, almost 11, and for some reason, like, my parents thought that was the magical cutoff, like, when a kid should kind of stop playing with toys um, or having figures or toys or things like that. You're double digits now. Grow up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> not, and then add to the fact that they were not wrestling fans to begin with. It made it hard to get them. Um, you know, they didn't have anything against wrestling other than they just thought it was below them. They didn't care about, you know, the violence or, or any of that stuff. Um, so it was kind of something I had to find a way to get on my own, which... As a 10-year-old kid who doesn't have a job, that's kind of hard to do. So whatever pocket money I could scrounge up or whenever I could sweet-talk grandma into buying me one for a holiday or a birthday, I would do that. Um, but yeah, I got in on the LJNs when they first came out. I didn't have a bunch of them, but I had enough um, that, you know, it it made me, made me appreciate the product you know, the WWF product even more um, because I could play out the matches myself or, you know, the best that I could with SD Jones and the junkyard dog and Sheik and Volkoff. <laughs> now I had a couple more than that. I think Hogan and Hillbilly and Piper, but that's about it. And then you didn't complete that LJN set or, or did you later on get them or you kind of backed away for a while? no, um, I had a buddy who had like all of them. He was an only child, quite spoiled. He had all of them. So if I ever really wanted to see him or play with him, I'd just go over to his house. And, um, you know, he was not, he didn't take good care of his toys. Let's just say that I grew up, you know, with Mego, Batman and Star Wars figures and, and I'm was always worried about losing the belt off Batman or losing the blaster off of Han or Chewbacca's bowcaster or whatever. You know, I was real meticulous with trying to take care of my toys, not banging them together and scuffing the paint jobs or anything like that. He was, you know, just bashing them and torturing them and putting hands in pencil sharpeners <laughs> and just, you know, he was mauling and mutilating his figures, which kind of broke my heart back at the time. But I at least got to hold on to and play with almost all of them. But no, I didn't, I wasn't a completionist. And I do remember when, when the line was dying out, I want to say it was like 89, might've been 88, 88 or 89. I was 15 ish. And I had a friend who was a female that was a year older. So she had a car 
And her and a couple of her friends and me drove to a place called Michigan City where they have these big outlet malls. And they had some kind of a toy liquidator store there. And I've never seen it before or since, and people think I'm full of it when I tell the story, but they had barrels full of LJN Haku. Just not even packaged, out of the package, just tons of him. And at the time, you know, Haku wasn't uh, a big name in the WWF, um, nor was his figure, you know, it wasn't known how rare that it was going to be. I remember wanting one and wanting to buy one, but not wanting to buy one in front of the girls because <laughs> I didn't want to admit my fandom right, in front of right, them. Right. right. So to this day, I'm still haunted by that time. I could have, I probably could have bought 10 of them because they were, you know, being clearanced out. And for whatever reason, they were either totally loose or maybe in a plastic bag, but they were not carded like all LJNs were. And I remember that was so weird, but I could not bring myself to embarrass myself to buy one in front of these girls that I like. Wow. And it, so the whole barrel was like just full of Hakus or mixed yeah. with other guys or I, my, my memory of it was, it was just him. That's insane. I, Cause what do those go for nowadays? Like, like, uh, I really don't know, but I know they're pretty salty. Yeah. Yeah, I was lucky enough to get one of those towards the end of the LJN days. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Some, day, some days I think I, I wish I kept all that stuff on card or at least took better care of it. But man, I sure enjoyed my upbringing playing with those things. So I guess it's, it was all worth it, right? Yeah, I was lucky enough to <laughs> to basically get a full set when I was in college. <clears throat> I uh, worked at KB Toys with a great crew a great just fun goofy crew and my my manager had them but he kept them in like a trash bag in his garage and they'd probably been in there for 15 years they were just horribly like sticky with who knows what fluids from animals were all over them but he basically he's like yeah you can take them if you're going to clean them up and and it wasn't real clear what the expectations were for me to do with them. <laughs> and I know I ended up keeping them and then later eBaying them all off. And him and I do talk every once in a while. And he never really brings it up. But I do always wonder, did he want me to keep those? Because I did keep them. And so working at uh, KB, did you end up, were you there like when later on when the Hasbros came in? Or was that, were you already gone by then? Yeah, I was gone by then. Although... KB is where I bought my first Hasbro. I got in to Hasbro's real late. I'm trying to remember. Let's see. Yeah, right around 1990, I was turning 16. You know, driving, getting your girlfriend, all that kind of stuff. So I kind of stopped collecting and being into it. But um, when Flair came to the WWF in 91 or whenever he came in... um, that made me go out and buy a, a Ric Flair figure, a Hasbro figure. And then I thought, well, I thought I saw a Honky Tonk Man figure on the on the peg. And I'm a, I was a huge Honky Tonk Man fan. Yeah, I still am. <laughs> yeah, I still am too. Let me pick up that one too. Um, so, you know, I picked up Flair. I picked up Honky Tonk. 
Both of them, you know, at different times feuded with Savage. Savage was still out there floating around. I found one of him. Um, and then just gradually, I started picking up more and more, going to, you know, little, back then, mom and pop stores still existed, and going through, you know, whatever wrestling figures they had on the shelf. And a lot of times, they had ones from, you know, a year or two before releases still on the shelf. So I was able to get a nice little collection going, and I did start customizing way back then, probably 93. Three or 94 i've got the scars to prove it <laughs> i bet you do man i i don't do well with the dates and stuff that's never really been my bag but where does this line up with um because i i think the very first time well obviously the very first time i became aware of you was on the wrestling figure forums mm-hmm. and i'm trying to piece that together so do you have any idea when you started up on there um I'm just lousy with the years, but I would imagine yeah. it's like late 90s. Is that right? I was definitely a lurker when it first popped up, sprung up, whatever. Um, but I didn't post much. I wasn't really sharing any customizing that I was doing. Not that I didn't think my stuff was very good because I thought it was fine. I just, I didn't have the technology, you know. No. <laughs> There was a time when not everybody had a camera in their pocket, a digital camera in their pocket. So I really couldn't even take pictures of my stuff until I got a teaching job. And like, I would have to check out a digital camera from the school to take home, to be able to take pictures of my stuff, to put it online. Oh, it was such a weird, Upload such a weird it. time. Yeah. Compared to now where everybody can do that on their phone. So I, I don't know, maybe... 2000 2001 um i started off as the walking condominium i remember that yeah and i was <laughs> i was kind of sharing a lot of uh photoshopped like backgrounds piper's pit background and the yeah primetime wrestling background but i was also doing hasbro customs and sharing those and over the years, I've had websites that have come and gone of my own, but Raving Toy Maniac is still a toy website that's out there that's hosting a bunch of my old Hasbro um, customs that's still out there to look at. I don't know if, I don't know what the, I don't remember what name they have my stuff under, though. It could be Warsman, it could be Walking Condominium, it could be Joel Clay's. I don't know. It's 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 wild, man, because I remember the walking condominium, but I don't necessarily remember that I that I associated that with being you. But I definitely remember that tag and seeing that name when I would lurk around. Yeah, most people remember me because I did a lot of like Photoshop, Tracy draw, like I would trace drawings and make my own. Usually, have to create my own like feet for them because most studio pictures of wrestlers are like from the waist up, but I at first tried to mimic and imitate the, uh, WWF ice cream bar art. And anyways, I collected a whole bunch of them and I put them in a big picture with a black background. And it says Saturday night's main event on there. And it was basically every WWF wrestler poorly drawn by me in Photoshop. And that got a lot of people's attention. You know, they thought it was really cool. 
Uh, now when I look at it, it's pretty embarrassing, but at the time it was pretty cool. <laughs> Isn't that funny how we reflect on our previous works? Um, oh yeah. So you've kind of always sounds like customized and that, that was like kind of the mind blowing thing for me when I discovered the wrestling figure forums was I had, I mean, I, I mean, like you just said, I'm embarrassed to even call them customs because I just would buy multiple LGNs. Like I'd get a, an extra Orndorff and I'd do my best to paint like the American trunks of Lex Luger and make my own Luger out of them. Mm-hmm. I thought that body was like way more Luger than it was Orndorff, at least in my, in sure. my mind, in my eyes when I was looking at it back then, but probably way more Sid cause it's so tall. Yeah, that too. Um, so I, I did a bunch of that stuff. And I, I guess when I found wrestling figure forums and I found guys like yourself that were doing stuff was like, whoa, you know, like this is just a whole new world that I'm looking at here. So you, you were always doing the customs and it sounds like with the Hasbros and stuff. So did you, then you got into Jack's, did it, was it kind of more of the same customizing or when did you kind of Cause I remember you doing like the backdrops and yeah, you know, everybody uses your stuff nowadays, but yeah. how did you get in all that? Um, yeah. l- let me back up. Like I said, my parents didn't fully support my wrestling fandom, like with figures. So I used to have to um, draw little paper dolls basically on cardstock of everybody, everybody I could lay my eyes on in a wrestling magazine. I had, like a little paper doll miniature version of kind of like what came with that WWF board game. Yeah. Um, if you remember that they had little cardboard Andre and stud and Hogan and Orndorff. I basically kind of modeled it off of that and they were all about the same size and I made up my own wrestling game. Um, everybody had their own little move set, their own little card with the moves on it that they could do. And it was the dice game and I would entertain myself. Oh my God. I can't even imagine how many hours I spent as a teenager, preteen, just playing that game, drawing them, um, coloring them. I would trade, you know, I would pencil draw it, trace it with a black marker, color it in with colored pencils and then put like packing tape on top. So I wouldn't like smudge it or mess it up or get any grease from my fingers on there and then cut it out. So I had, I had every character you could imagine, probably from 1987. I probably did it up until 92. And I mean, every character. And if somebody had a cool new outfit change or a gimmick change, you darn well know that I made a brand new, you know, little paper doll of them, a little wrestling thing of them but so that kind of instilled in me an eye for detail because i made sure to catch every detail and put it in the little drawing which later transferred over into yes making custom so when i kind of got burned out on hasbro customs and you know 20 years ago i thought oh they're gonna dry up anyways i have three crates full of them i'm tired of them let me garage sale them all off for, you know, a buck a piece. <laughs> uh, yeah, the true story. I got out of them and I kind of got out of customizing for a couple years until the Jack's Classic Superstars line kicked up. And 
it took them a while to make a Hogan, but once once they made the Hogan, I'm like, oh shit. I'm it's time to get back in. So I got into collecting, and with collecting comes customizing. So whenever that Jack's Classic Superstars Hogan came out, um, that's when I got back into it pretty pretty big time. And then were you doing it all the way through Jack's and into... Yeah. Um, I started doing Jack's Customs, and then that's one of my printers just finished. Uh, along the way, I... I hate to toot my own horn, but toot toot. I kind of pioneered shrinking and enlarging heads for Jack's purposes. Really, all we had to go on was uh, Hasbro, you know, enlarging them up to Jack's size or LJN heads, shrinking them down. But I did both. Um, and I always tried to explain the process and share it as best I could. Um, and yes, I did sell them. I was also molding and casting kind of harder to find heads and selling them. So I've been doing that probably since about 2005 or six, whenever the, that classic superstars Hogan came out. So I've been around doing the, the head business for quite a while. Um, I dabbled in making clothing with dye sublimation, you know, heat press with the special inks. Um, there were a few costumes that I made that I thought were pretty cool, like a Laparka bodysuit, a couple Macho Man robes, just various things. If if it was creative and, and customizing, went into customizing a wrestling figure, I would, I was in, I would try it. So I was trying a lot of different things. Yeah, I seem to remember back to some people that were trying to do the shrinking and enlarging and, and seeing just like these horrifying warped heads and, you know, part of it grew and part of it didn't. <laughs> yeah. So. yeah, it, uh, I'm so, that's what made me look for a sculptor to do digital because I got so tired of, you know, eventually I started enlarging Japanese mini big heads, like, you know, these little two inch kind of bobblehead things um, into Mattel size or shrinking down Jack's heads to fit Mattel's. Uh, but I've been doing it since 2005. Yeah. And now there's, I mean, if you look back now, there's a lot of people doing it. Yeah. But if you look back at some of the pictures of those ones that you had to work a lot harder seemingly to make, Ugh. some of those were really great, especially for their time. I mean, um, it's easy to look back now and try to compare them to what you're doing now. And of course, what you're doing now is like factory release stuff, if not better. But at that time, those were, it was mind blowing to be able to have these guys that before that you could only dream about getting. Yeah, I agree. Um, I try. <laughs> I mentioned I cringe when I look at some old art of mine, but I also cringe when I look at old customs. But we worked with what we had to work with. And at the time, yeah, I thought it was cool. Yeah, it's kind of the equivalent of, uh, you know, you thought at one point like uh, cassette tapes were cool. What We listen to digital media <laughs> now, you old timer. But um, yeah, in that moment, it was... Oh. All the ways that I used to try to scam Columbia House into giving me <laughs> one penny uh, 
12, 12 uh, cassettes. Yeah. Yeah. I sometimes wonder if the neighbor across the street still looking for the guy that ordered all those CDs in, but I'll, <laughs> I'll never admit to it. Um, so I guess Mattel comes out and are you already looking for somebody to, you know, what, what's the timeline as far as the great Tom Vig and you, um, hooking <laughs> up and how did you find him? And yeah. Um, so Mattel took over in 2010 and I remember being a holdout because I had invested so much into Jack's and I had such a huge Jack's classic superstars collection. I remember thinking F Mattel, I'm never going to rebuy everybody all over again. It's not worth it. Blah, blah, blah. But again, eventually they made a Hogan figure, which pulled me right back <laughs> in. So it was probably, I did wait about a year before I bought my first Mattel. And I was more curious, I guess, about them than anything. I mean, I didn't dislike them. I kind of liked how they were a little more proportionally accurate. Jax had the big old bowling ball biceps on every figure, whether it warranted it or not. So there were little things I started noticing about Mattels that I did like. And then they started making classic characters, which got my attention big time. And then eventually they made a Hogan, which made me jump right back in. So I don't remember what year they released the Hogan, but I was buying them. I think they came out with Macho Man and probably Warrior before the Hogan. And I had already bought them. So by the time the Hogan came out, I knew I was back in 100%. Um, so that went on for years. I was still shrinking and enlarging heads to, to go with Mattel and posting on wrestling figs. Um, but I would say about two years ago, it's 2021 now for anybody listening in the future. About two years ago, um, I hired somebody off of Fiverr to sculpt. Um, I don't remember if it was Kenny Omega or Owen Hart. But I do remember how god-awful the product was that the person sculpted for me. After promising me, you know, the moon, they, oh, yes, yes, I can do that, I can do that. What they delivered was horrible. And I, I tried a couple different freelancers, either through Fiverr or Freelancer.com. Everybody promises, oh, yeah, yeah, I can do it, I can do it. But nobody could deliver anywhere close to an accurate head sculpt. So I was kind of ticked that I couldn't find anybody. And I think because of all my Google searches that the, the Facebook algorithm kind of kicked in. And one day Tom Vegg's like Veg 3D art popped up on my little pages. You should know, or whatever they call it. So he, God bless Facebook, man. <laughs> Yeah, most people curse the algorithm for like listening in and and you know eavesdropping on your conversations and all that, but for this talk, it actually paid off. Oh boy, did it! Yeah, um, yeah. I he was kind of doing political caricature sculpting, and I reached out to him. And you know, there's he lives in a Eastern European country, so we've got a time zone difference. There's a little bit of a language 
difference, although his English is great. Uh, my Croatian is not. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know if that's the name of the language. Um, I just reached out to him to see if he would even be, enter- you know, entertain the idea of trying to sculpt a, a professional wrestler. I didn't even know if he knew what pro wrestling was. And, you know, we kind of did a back and forth about prices and this and that. But eventually we we came to something we agreed on and we tried it and he did that first Owen sculpt and I loved the face. I loved the detail, the open mouth, the way he even got kind of Owen's snaggle tooth uh, grin in there. Just there's so much about it that I liked that I'm like, ooh, ooh, this is the guy. So yeah, ever since then. You know, almost 400 heads later, we've we struck up quite the partnership. And that's just what he sculpted for me. He takes side gigs and does other wrestling sculpts. So I don't know how many he's done, but I would guess it's probably around 500 by now. That's amazing. You said roughly 400 heads, and I, I know I've got a lot of those 400. But was there like an original, when you started thinking, I'm going to work with this guy, was there a head or a certain set of heads that you were like, Oh man, this, this is what, the, cause I don't think I wasn't there in the beginning, but so I don't, I don't recall what you came out with first, but was there like a group or a single head that you were like this? I, I got to start with this or these heads. I really liked his first Owen. Um, you know, two years ago, Kenny Omega, AEW hadn't started yet. He was the big deal in Japan. I didn't know him from anybody, but I know, he had a buzz about him and he was the internet darling at the time. So I do remember having Tom sculpt him early on and it was a good sculpt. It didn't set the world on fire. Like people wanted to get it, but I do remember thinking, Ooh, you know, he, I think he nailed the likeness, but then right after that, he did Dino Bravo and the Rougeau brothers for me. And I think that got a lot of people's attention and, the job he did on the Dino Bravo, I don't know that he's sculpted a better likeness ever. And, you know, he does great work on all of them, but that Dino Bravo, it was just spot on. So much so that I got to send that a figure, a completed custom figure, to his daughter. Wow, really? Dino's daughter, not Tom's daughter. Right. And she really liked it. That's awesome, man. I think he did it right around the time that he did the Rougeau brothers also. Mm -hmm. Um, The Rougeau brothers were like guilty pleasures of mine that I really wanted, but he nailed that Dino Bravo sculpt. And that's when I knew I got to stick with this guy. He just did such a great job with it. And he's pretty easy to to work with and talk to. And yeah. Yeah. When I saw that uh, Dino Bravo, um, I also saw... Somewhere, the uh, the Adrian Adonis. Yes, another guilty pleasure. <laughs> yeah. One that, that I, I think I paid to have that one done myself. Wow. Yeah, that's that that one's one still holds up as one of my favorites and one of my favorite. I'm not a great customizer, but I do have my Adrian Adonis almost complete. I need some boots for him because he's still got the cowboy boots on. But um, that's an amazing, amazing head. Yeah, I I went a couple steps further and made uh, an '80s like stretchy dress out of a Barbie like 
eighties dress and uh that's awesome like <laughs> that white that white uh oh it's not wicker but you know whatever yep. that material is that white floppy sun hat he would wear with the yep. blonde wig oh yeah good stuff i saw yours with the leg warmers and everything yes yeah i've got to get get going on that i've got all these uh work in progress sitting here in my display that i gotta finish up with but um uh so yeah for me i mean that adonis was one of the first ones i saw as well as bravo and and i hold those still i've got you know dozens and dozens of of the stuff you guys have produced but those are still to this day two of my favorites of course i i love the whole jesse ventura collection that you made um (laughs) i think i got all of those and yeah i tried to hook you up with one of all of them yeah, I appreciate that. I I've got them all painted, and uh, and a few of them are assembled on bodies. And I really appreciate everything you've done as far as the just putting, you know, listening to people, making heads people wanted, and getting them to us. And um, I I'd be the first to admit that I I was guilty of being a little over anxious in the early days, but once I got to know you and see what you're doing. Um, if it takes four months, if it takes a year, you know, I got a Jesse Ventura, like a head that looks as good as a factory could make. And that's, that's awesome, man. Imagine being poor Tom getting my instructions <laughs> to make, to make 10 different Jesse Ventura versions or what, you know, however many there are. Yeah. Uh, now wait, this one gets a, a mustache, but no sideburns and a bandana. Wait, what? Yeah, no earrings yeah. on this one. Yes. <laughs> Sculpt a, a predator hat on this one. What's a predator hat? Well, you know, the one he wore in the movie, The Predator. Yeah. I Yeah. Good old Tom. What's a handful of guys that, you know, if uh, I, I hate to use the Rushmore thing because it's so cliche, but if there was four or five heads that mean the most to you, uh, maybe as far as guys that you always wanted or just guys that you think came out, you know, better than you expected or you're just pleased with. Wow. Um, there are so many that I think are legit. Perfect. Agreed. But, you know, I always fall back on who were the characters that I loved growing up, you know, who, who was I a big fan of? And, um, you know, his, here comes an Uncle Elmer plug. He's going to be in there, yes. <laughs> um, Adonis, Uncle Elmer, Dynamite Kid. Those are three for sure. I'm trying to think who my fourth one might be. I mean, I got <laughs> I got an an Outback Jack sculpt out of him. I got a uh, you know Billy Jack Haynes. People that I had or wanted in LJN form. You know, any of the LJN. I've got an SD Jones sculpt that i like um i've got a refrigerator perry sculpt (laughs) i mean it's insane it's hard to to pick my fourth one yeah i'll just say maybe the fourth one hasn't been done yet and i don't know who it's gonna be that might be cheating i saved my impossible question for last i knew that wasn't fair but um i still asked it anyway yeah i do like to ask my guests that i have on here what you found out in the wild out in stores or online what have you found out there have you made any purchases this last week or so um oh boy have i ever i know 
Let's see. I'm trying to remember. Yesterday I pre-ordered something on Ringside. Because I'm that guy that has to have it before everybody else. No, just kidding. Uh, <laughs> Ringside has an exclusive something. Was it Cactus Jack? The ECW Cactus Jack? That just went up, I think, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure I pre-ordered that. Um, Let's see. I'm scrolling through my eBay. Let's see, parts, parts. I bought a Jack's Ted DiBiase to use the head to make a Masters of, of the Universe Ted DiBiase. I got Elite Brian Pillman Series 3. That one was pretty salty. Oof. Yeah. Uh, I bought an Isaac Yankum. That one's pretty salty. Man, remember when... Well, I don't know if you remember, but those used to be on Toys R Us clearance peg. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I turned my nose up at it thinking, oh, that's so stupid. Who? Why? I don't <laughs> want that. But now I've got a nice little shelf of new generation... Um, Plus all the heads that Tom just made for that kind of in-your-house set that I figured, oh, now I need him for that show. Um, I've bought in a few stunning Steves and a Ringmaster, Steve Austin, um, some Jax Dudley Boys, because I think the Bubba is just fat enough in the cheeks to pass for an ECW Bubba. Um... Oh, I have bought a lot of the Loyal Subjects, uh, the little 4-inch cartoony WWE guys. Yeah, that's about it, wrestling-wise. I buy, I collect a lot of other stuff, too, but I won't bore you with all that. Yeah, um, don't bore me. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Warsman, I want to thank you, man. I'm a huge fan of your work and have been since I joined the wrestling figure website way back when, and it's only amplified through getting all these heads from you. And I've got a ton of them and I can't, I can't wait to get more of them. I almost look at you like a mentor of customizing and, and now I consider you a friend of mine. And I just want to thank you for taking the time to talk to me today. Well, it's been my pleasure. Where can people find you? Do you have anything you want to plug before we get out of here? If you follow me on Facebook, I'm Warren Warsman Man. Um, good old Facebook doesn't like it if you have a, a nickname for your your Facebook page. So my name is Warren Man. Wink, wink. <laughs> um, but yeah, just follow me on Facebook. I post most of my announcements there. I am on Instagram uh, again, Warren Warsman Man, I believe. Uh, but most. Most of my business is done on Facebook, and the f easiest, fastest way to get a hold of me is just Facebook Messenger. Right on. Warren Wars, man, I like it. It's been an honor to have you, man. And uh, well, Thanks, buddy. Yes, sir. And one of my time-honored traditions here is on our way out, pick a wrestling theme of any wrestler of any genre or whoever you like. Pick his theme, and we'll play that as we get on out of here. Well... My my mind first went to Honky Tonk Man. I like it. He's cool. He's cocky. He's bad. Honky Tonk Man it is. Thanks again, Warsman, and we'll be talking to you real soon. Great. Talk to you later. I got a long side burns and my hair slicked back. I'm coming to your town. And my pink Cadillac, I'm just a Honky Tonk Man. I'm just a honky tonk man. I'm cool. I'm cool.
that have meant a lot to me along the way. Um, first of all, I have to say a shout out to my guest this week, Warren Warsman. Um, just an awesome dude, and he's been a mentor to me, helped me a ton with customs and creating figures I would have never had. I can't recommend enough if you're not dealing with him and there's guys you want that Mattel doesn't make or Jazzware doesn't make, get over and visit his shop. He's got hundreds of different heads there's awesome artists out there that can paint them if you're not the artistic type but check out warsman support them great guy and thank you so much for coming on the show looking forward to talking to you down the road shout out warren warsman and as usual my top shout out is my good friend drew Benzel. the dude's just an amazing human being he's got an awesome podcast he's the proprietor of great stories you know, fun facts and just out and out hilarity every week, but he's an even better friend. So if you're not checking out his podcast, Tales from the Estate, get over there and check it out. Um, he's got over 50 episodes and I can't recommend enough. Just check it out. Subscribe to his podcast, leave him a rating, um, and follow him on Twitter, uh, at Estate Tales. He's got shirts over at What a Maneuver and I've got a couple of them. They're awesome design. Consider going over and buying the shirt. Support it, buy it, rep it. Shout out to Drew and Caitlin Venzel and their podcast, Tales from the Estate. Shout out to Scott and Jeff over at Fully Posable Wrestling Figure Podcast. Longest running episodic wrestling figure podcast out there. Started the game and continue to run it week after week. Often imitated, never duplicated. Shout out Fully Posable wrestling figure podcast and shout out to drunk wrestling history 
Scott Side Project. Those guys have an awesome podcast filled with hilarity, and I can't recommend them enough. Shout out to Breaker and Bane for Breaker and Bane's Power Hour, Breaker and Fowler with the TB Toycast, and Breaker's solo podcast. You know it's fake, right? All three are great podcasts, highly entertaining. Breaker's an awesome dude. He's got a lot of information. He gives us kind of a insider's track that a lot of us don't have because he was actually in the business, or still is, as a matter of fact. So get over there, support him. Hop on his Patreon if you're feeling like supporting somebody who's giving out great content week after week. Shout out to you, Breaker, Bane, and Travis Fowler. Shout out to Dylan and Rob of the Wrestling Figure Database. I say it every time I put out an episode, and I'm going to say it here again today. But if you're not checking these guys out, why not? They've got every wrestler ever made from every toy line that's ever made wrestling figures. And it's just an amazing collection of information. Get over there, check them out, support them. Friendly guys, and they just did a bang-up job. And uh, I'm grateful for you, Dylan and Rob. Keep doing what you're doing. I, for one, am greatly appreciative of that. Shout out Dylan and Rob, Wrestling Figure Database. And shout out to Good Brother Mike, a.k.a. The Fig Hunter, and the whole Collectors Helping Collectors movement. These guys are awesome, and they're helping people get figures, beating the scalpers to the pegs. Support them, get out there and help them. Reach out to any of them and find out what they need. Tell them what you need. Maybe you guys can help each other out and grow this movement even bigger. I'm a huge supporter of it, and I try to help wherever I can, and I appreciate their help. So, shout out to the collectors helping collectors. Shout out to Adam Baum, Cella Toys, Junk Shop Dog, Grenville, aka Hasbuk, Figure Kingdom, Nate, aka Ring Skirts, my good pal helping me out with belts and all kinds of stuff, Dobro, the King of Positivity, Nick Haddock, Steve Hoker, Matthew Goldberg, Rad Chad, Ralphie Vibes, Custom Toy Rings, Proving Ground Productions, and Curb Stomp Customs. All awesome dudes in the community. Big love to all you guys. Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to everybody. Thank you guys so much for listening. Try to do something nice for somebody. Even if it's just not projecting your negativity. Bite your tongue. It goes a long way. And then from there, maybe tis the season will turn into just all year long. I'll leave it at that. I hope you guys will join me in a week for my New Year's episode right here on Pulling Up a Chair. Thank you for listening to Pulling Up a Chair with a Chair Shot. If you enjoyed it, please help put the show over by telling a friend and clicking the subscribe button on Anchor, Google, Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. You will get instant notifications whenever a new show drops. You can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at HairShot. That's A-C-H-A-I-R-S-H-O-T. You will want to keep an eye on my socials in the coming weeks. Trust me. Feel free to leave questions or audio comments on the show page on Anchor FM's website or email them to me directly 
at hairshot at gmail.com. Thanks for tuning in again. And until next week, Bobby? All good things must come to an end, right? Well, every time changes everything. And a everything. friend in need is a pest. <laughs> <laughs>